Good evening, everybody. This is Jack Mancini, and I'm with Maximum Value Partners. I'm a business coach, and I'm here with my long-term business coaching partner, Adam Sunhalter. We've been together for 15 years, and we have enjoyed our run, and we continue to enjoy our run. So here we sit on a Wednesday night, which is normal every Wednesday evening, 7 a.m. or 7 p.m. Boy, 7 a.m. would be pretty rough. But uh, 7 p.m. till 8 p.m. to talk about small business issues. We've seen thousands of them. We've solved thousands of problems, and we're having fun doing it. And tonight, as we are picking out our topics, we're going to talk about organization. Not necessarily how you rearrange your shoe closet, although that might be part of it in some cases. But for the most part, organization. Every time people get together in the pursuit of some type of objective, usually it's raising money, that's more what we're focused on. But every time people get together to do that, you could call that an organization. So it could be a small organization, like uh, somebody doing something for a small church, uh, or it could be a major corporation. doesn't make any difference. It's people coming together to try to accomplish some mission. That's an organization. And organizations, as we all know, because most of us work for a living or have worked for a living, organizations get screwed up. They get screwed up a lot. And since we are business coaches focusing on small businesses, and we define that as 1 to 25 people, basically we have seen many organizational issues. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. What do you think, Adam? We got any stories to tell? Did you talk about us having the runs? Nope. Wait a minute. Is that what you were saying? Well, I did (laughs) say that. (laughs) I get distracted sometimes when you talk. My mind will kind of float over here, float over there. Use those right descriptive words. Well, we could work the runs into tonight's discussion with organizations. (laughs) Right. Make (laughs) get you nervous enough that you that you want to get in the runs. That's not a good thing. All right. Well, welcome, as as Jack said, welcome to another uh, another edition of Dirty Secrets of Small Business, the fastest hour in radio and podcast uh, podcast land here. And as Jack said, we're going to focus on how do I make my organization better, and it's something that we that we that we deal with quite a bit with the owners of small companies, where they get into business because they are very good at what they do from a product or service standpoint, and they find as the months and years go by, they spend a lot of their time dealing with people stuff and the people stuff can can go across all kinds of different uh, gamuts and let me you know as we always do you know on the show here we're going to go back through the past few days of, of some coaching client scenarios here to kind of share some stories with the, of different examples of what that can mean because organization is a a very broad word as jack mentioned we aren't going to be going into shoe closets at least not this week i don't think but no not this week we'll we'll pass on that so some other things to kind of focus on one would be training you know if we talk about kind of people you know one of the things that that becomes very key is training and so day one uh, picture somebody who starts their company and again this might this may have been you you had a very good you know skill base or you're able to make certain products or, or provide certain services and perhaps you were doing it for somebody else and then you know, quite often the story goes that maybe you started doing some stuff on the on the side you know at nights or weekends and eventually you you, you made the jump all of a sudden, you're now a business owner, and you're now providing that product or service for yourself. And you get out there and start doing it, and then things start to go pretty well. You're, you know, you're doing a good job. Uh, your customers are happy, so they refer you to somebody else and somebody else, and it starts to kind of grow. And you start to add people. 
So typically the way we see it is that you'll bring in people who are, who are trusted to you. So maybe it was a, a former coworker of yours, or perhaps it's your, your brother-in-law, or perhaps your sister, or somebody, or, you know, somebody who you, you went to, uh, to, to, to high school with. You know, but it's, it's probably a trusted person who you know to kind of come in and help take a little bit of load off you. And you kind of go along, and next thing you know, you're, you're five years into business, and you've got two, three, four, five, six employees. And nobody's been trained, Jack. All of a sudden, people kind of come on board. and, and We see and we, that all the time, Adam. And, well, and the biggest single reason for that not being done, well, I'll give you a quick, a quick opportunity to answer. What, what is the biggest, the biggest reason that we usually hear why somebody... Oh, I don't have time, Jack. I don't have time to answer right that question, on, Jack. That's right, on, <laughs> that's right on the nose. I don't have time to train this person, and I'm complaining as the owner about not having time to do all these other things and having to fix problems all the time. But or, go on, I interrupted or, or, you. No, it's okay. Or we'll see, you know, like one of the scenarios we, we saw this week, Jack, which was after, after several years of having some people out there, there was an epiphany. There was divine intervention. A light came down from heaven, Jack, that came down, and all of a sudden <clears> you could hear the music playing, and, and the owner said, holy cow, my guys have no clue what they're doing out there. That's right. And he, now, was, he was working hand in hand, but you're right. That, no, was, that, that, that was truly divine intervention. Well, and, and, and that might be a little bit dramatic. They have some idea know. what they, well, they have some idea what they're doing because they're doing certain things, but by no means are they doing what the owner thought that they were doing, which is, hey, the owner has a certain way of things being done. Here's, here's a way that we you know, design things or install things or do things a certain way in terms of here's our system, our way of doing things. And in, their, in, in the owner's mind, it's usually very clear because, hey, if I'm there uh, working with the customer, if I'm there on the job site, if, if I'm there in the shop, here's how we handle stuff. And it becomes... And I can make all the decisions. I can do what has to be done right then and there. Well, we, we, but we, I we, don't think of my my employees in the sense of, them not having that ability and, and responsibility and authority to do those well, things. Uh, yeah, I don't even know if it's that deep or complex, Jack, to a certain extent. Because I think what we hear a lot, too, is, and, and most of our owners, and I think most of you who, who know owners of small companies will, will see this you know, if, if you just think about it. Most owners are very humble, okay? And so what they do, you know, they, they will underestimate how good they are. And they'll, they, you know, and we'll hear comments like, like like this all the time. Jack, people will say, "Hey, gee, you know, it's it's common sense. It's pretty easy stuff. It's not, you know, it's not rocket science. You know, this stuff's all kind of second nature to them." And the, the the trouble is that they start to assume that it is just basic common sense and basic knowledge. So, you know, these guys would figure that out. You know, if if they're there and they they have the choice of going, you know, A or B, you know, they'll choose A because you know A makes great sense. Not, you know, not B. I mean, who would choose B? Well, it turns out that. You know, a lot of these things that, that again, that the owners taking as common sense, they don't realize again how good they are. Part of the reason why they were excelling where they were before and why they're on their own is because they are very good at what they do, and the, the folks who aren't necessarily as good as them or aren't as experienced as them, they need that training. They they they, they really do. We, you know, we, we have, oh, you, know, you need the training just for the the, the the continuity of the the company itself and being able to. To track and plan and project and measure all those good things, you need that, and that's you know. Or else, how in the world is somebody going to learn enough to basically not be a detriment to the company? And how quickly can we get that person up and running? That's what training's all about. Well, so so, so here what happens. We we had, we had this is a, a different case with this with with another client where 
hired a couple of people who came on board. And again, to, to your point, Jack, they didn't have time. We're, we're talking about getting a, get, getting a plan together for you know how you're going to train this person, how you're going to get them up to speed, how you're going to make the time to make this happen. Because what happened was, new folks come on board, and if you aren't there to properly train them, what good people will do is they'll ask questions, they'll try to figure stuff out, they start doing stuff, and all of a sudden somebody's going to train them, right? So, you know, you know, God forbid if you get Jack and I in a machine shop. And we don't know what to do. We're going to start f- trying to figure stuff out, and we're probably going to do it wrong. We're going to do we're going to do the best we can. But if I'm training Jack how to run a machine, you're in big trouble. Boy, that's for sure. And, that's for sure. But that's you know. But if, if oh, wait, I've been I don't here, know though though if that's because of the trainer or the trainee. But <laughs> oh, go on. Could be a combination. But you know, <laughs> if, if I've been there for you know a couple of years or six months, you know, if, if I'm there ahead of you, you know, you're going to assume I know more than you do. So I'm going to show you. And I figure, oh, well, I, I kind of know stuff how to do this. So I'm going to show you my way of doing it. Now my way is tremendously watered down, or maybe off off course versus the way the owner would do it, but you know he or she thinks that you know I know what I'm doing, or or again. So here's what happens: all of a sudden you're going to get trained the wrong way on the wrong stuff, and all of a sudden it come over here, itself. kid. I'll show you how to do it. And I don't, you know, I learned from somebody who left in a huff maybe uh, three months earlier or six months earlier. I never learned right, and we we end up uh, with products that are defective and spend all this time trying to figure out why and the boss is running around not knowing why it's kind of crazy isn't it a little bit of training goes a long way so why isn't time made for that adam well i think it's one of those things uh, people assume hey i'm hiring you you have the right skills and experience to kind of come in and do your thing for one two is most people you asked you were joking before about is it the trainer or the trainee most folks aren't used to having to train somebody and so if I don't have any skills in teaching somebody something, I'm probably not going to necessarily jump into that. I'll, I'll do a version of what you said before, Jack. Hey, just kind of follow me around and kind of do what around, I do. Follow me kid. That's it's right. Kinda, it's that on-the-job training, Jack. It's that, you know, kind of learning as you go. Um, and so th- th- there often aren't formalized programs that are there in order to kind of get somebody up to speed. This Again, this could be anything from, you know, if you own a manufacturing facility for somebody who's on the, who's on the job floor, to bring in, you know, somebody more in the leadership or, or, or the office or, or the executive team if you're kind of growing. Everybody who comes on board has to be trained. If you don't train them, and again, if you don't get them early on, and if they're good, they're going to kind of start doing their own thing within a few days or a few weeks. They're kind of doing what they know how to do. They're going to start just doing stuff. And they will give some relief initially because, again, you have a new body that's there doing some stuff. But, again, if they're not doing it right, in the long term, it's going to create kind of create bigger issues, and eventually, if if it's somebody who's who's on the front lines of, of production, then your product or service is being delivered is not being delivered anywhere near to the level that you think it's being delivered. That's right, not and it causes other kind of problems. You're absolutely right. Well, you mentioned earlier uh, uh, the the d- divine intervention, the revelation that this owner. This was just two days ago, uh, or even yesterday. Yeah, well, whatever. A couple within the last couple of days. And he was he was just all of a sudden made aware in his own mind, because we've been telling him as well as other key people in the company about the need for training for quite some time. And here all of a sudden, he sees it. He sees it and he wants to do it. He's all pumped up. Now my question is, what will happen here? And we've seen this a number of times. We've seen divine intervention work and all of a sudden somebody's enlightened, but the next week we go visit again and sit down and talk with them, and at such an afterthought, they forgot all about it. How come that is? 
It's a good question, Jack. You know, one of the things that's kind of coming to mind as we're talking about this is I've seen a few episodes of this show called Undercover Boss. Yeah, you ever I've seen that before. I've seen a few of those. Right? So for, for those of you who have me, go check it out. But just a, a quick reason why it's jumping in my head. What happens during the show is literally the boss will come in and be in disguise. So they'll, they'll dress the boss up, you know, they'll put different hairdo on, you know, whatever it might be. They'll, they'll add weight if they're skinny or vice versa, you know, whatever it might be. They'll come in and, and they'll come in as a, a new employee or somebody else. And they start to kind of see how things really run, you know. And part of, part of the, the, the comedy of the, of, the, of the program, I think, is people start talking about, about the boss, right? Either good, either good or bad Eventually or whatever. Eventually they get it, yeah. But yeah. They, they start to understand it from a better standpoint as far as, <laughs> how things really are because when they're doing their their boss thing of, of, of being above the fray a little bit they often will be so disconnected from how things are on the front line so again picture somebody who, who owns a fast food restaurant and also they have no idea how things are being prepared in the back or how the customer service is or, or whatever's kind of going on or if they're again if they're working at a factory yeah how do things kind of work they have a, an idea in their mind of of how things are uh, and how they want things to be and how they assume things might be but often reality is much different. So the, the training component of this is, is a big deal to make sure that what they think is happening is really, really happening. So, all right, we got to come up against our first break here, Jack, but people can stay tuned as we talk a little bit more about how do I make my organization better? I'm Adam Sunhalter. Hello, Adam, and I'm Jack Mancini. We are business coaches with Maximum Value Partners, a business coaching company. Stay tuned for more Dirty Secrets of Small Business on Integrity Radio, WINT 1330 AM. 101.5 FM and online at wintradio.com. All right, welcome back to Dirty Secrets of Small Business. We're back here at it, and we're live in studio as we are every Wednesday from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern. I forgot to go about the number, Jack, when we first got on. I know, I was uh, thinking of that, but uh, yeah, I know a, you'd, you'd, eventually, you'd eventually pick up that on That mental it, telepathy so. is working, you know. That's what that's happens right. when, you're, when you work together for 15 years. So the uh, number to get us here in the studio is 440-946-9468. Again, 440-946-9468. And our topic tonight is how do I make my organization better? And we touched a little bit on the first segment about training because, again, people, when we talk about the, the, the whole idea of organization – uh, from, from our standpoint, it's all the people stuff. And there's a lot of stuff that goes on with people. And we touch on training a little bit and the importance of training in the, in the first segment. We'll, we'll, I guess, kick it off just quickly again here and how important it is to make time to train and bring somebody on board. Because if you don't, we've seen too many stories, too many cases of it, Jack, where people bring somebody on. They're probably a good fit of the right person for the organization. But since they aren't brought on board, and I'll use one of these corporate buzzwords jack they aren't onboarded properly you know oh, that term boy, onboarded. that's right how do i onboard somebody I they're not onboard properly so they your tie on and and uh <laughs> well they aren't onboarded properly so they jump off real quick they they they, 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 they jump off board in a hurry so if you bring them on properly and you train them it, it, does, it doesn't take a ton but it's it's getting that, that initial training down here's the way we do things here is a very important part when it comes to the people side of stuff. And that's, again, came up a couple times here just in the last week with, with a couple of our clients in terms of how, how do you go about making that time for the to, And to, right, to right along with that, though, what's the, what's the biggest reason that these owners give for not training? Not having time? That's right. I don't have time. Wait a minute. So here you have these problems you've been complaining about for six months, 
actually had somebody put put a cost benefit together and say, "Wow, it's costing whoa, me this whoa, kind whoa, of whoa. cost benefit." So we're, oh, we're talking too much corporate speak tonight, Jack. Nah, you're lost. right. You're right. They're putting there saying, "Hey, I'm so I'm so freaking busy. I don't have time to get somebody else in here so I can have some Let more time." Let me take my little uh, my my take your green eye shade off a little bit so you get your <laughs> green visor. Let me take <laughs> let me get my ruled line out and start writing notes, uh, bullet points down. Put that what abacus away, Jack. What are you talking about? No, that's uh, it's highly <laughs> visible. So I start writing things down about training, then I don't do anything about it because I don't have time. So what happens is the complaint that was driving this hey we need training here yeah we all agree keeps pushing itself and you're right i won't use corporate speak here it keeps pushing itself in into the uh process of of the company's flow of stuff and it costs money every time that happens and so and we're frustrated so those kind of things demand training and everyone agrees and we go charging the hill and take the night off and next morning we come in and all of a sudden we don't have time to train so the problems keep going on and on and on let me let me use a simpler <clears throat> analogy maybe that, that to relate for our sports fans out there so you get a new person on your team and, and, and you don't give them a playbook and they just throw them in there they toss you in the huddle say or go out there and start 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 going start doing your thing jack but the rest of the team is running certain plays and i don't know what those plays are but i'm kind of trying to figure it out and make it up as i kind of go to see how i do and you know, not get in the way and hopefully, you know, make a few plays here or there. And but chances of my success are are, are, are going to be very, very limited from that standpoint because nobody's ever told me what showed me the playbook yet. Well, people, that's a good analogy, by the way. You know, owners will will start out training or put somebody in charge of somebody else to be trained, but it isn't a thorough position. It isn't the skills to to be a trainer aren't really. Uh, interjected to to that person, so they do the best they can, but that isn't often enough to really train somebody well. You do what you know how to do, right? Yes, you, you do. We can't get too much divine intervention in some of these companies, but we try hard. Well, one of the one of the, the maybe more, more common areas where, where we would see this, Jack. I think <laughs> probably a lot of folks can relate to this. Uh, we hear a lot of complaints about somebody hiring a salesperson, and yeah. it doesn't work out. I hired the salesperson, and I, I paid him a salary for three months, six months for a year, and I didn't get anything from it. And we ask about, well, you know, what was the plan? How, how'd you bring him on board? How'd you direct him? And, and you, we often get those blank stares back. And, well, what do you mean? You know, I hired a salesperson. Their, their job was to go sell stuff. That's what they do. I, you know, I hired them because of their experience in selling stuff. And they were never given, whether it be proper training in terms of understanding what your product or service is or in terms of who you want them to go after, who, who good customers are for. Again, there's certain training that goes with that, too, where and people figure if I hire that right person, they'll magically come in, Jack. With all the just, skills necessary. Yeah, and right. they'll drop right in, and bam, they just start to kind of go. And that just That's pretty common, too. Yeah. That's pretty common from our experience. We see that a lot. So, so training is a, good, is a good thing. But even before, I, I guess before we get to training, how do you find good people? Uh-oh. All right? And we had a couple of discussions about this recently as well. And um, coming back to some of the time issues, well, I don't have time to find somebody or I'm not making time. And in a small company, the positive impact of one good person is exponential. One good person can can make or break a company. When you have a big company... <clears throat> One person, even if they're good, it's not even a blip usually. But with a small company, 
if you have 10 employees and one or two are superstars, the success and the, and the growth of that company are night and day versus another company that has no superstars in it. So how do we find these good people? That's your question. And what 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 kind of characteristics should we be looking for? How do we uh, how do we do this? And if I if my workforce is all getting paid eighteen dollars an hour, hey, I can't find what you're calling good people. Although I I cut you off by you didn't I didn't let you answer the last question. Oh, you asked me a question. I I think I did, but uh, maybe it was two. It'll questions. come back. It'll, no, it was two questions it'll come back ago. around. Two questions. You didn't answer that one. I got either, one question so. with twenty-seven <laughs> subparts. Okay. No, I got two questions, but you didn't answer either one. So we'll gotta, go with we'll go with the pause. third one. You got you got to take a breath so I can answer questions. No, Jay. I got to keep. <laughs> I got to I got to keep going. I feel like I'm being interrogated here. Somebody turn the lights down, would you? That's that's right. Get those bare light bulbs swinging overhead. So, <laughs> but yeah, to find a good person, I'm I'm paying my workforce an average of eighteen bucks an hour, and. And uh, you're you're suggesting that I bring this person who I just interviewed in, and, and she wants twenty-two dollars an hour. My God, why would I want to do that? That's four dollars more than the average, and I'm paying everybody else. Is that a smart way to look at it? How much everyone else is getting paid, and I'm looking for a good person? How the heck do I do that? Is money the big and only issue? That's about six questions now you got to answer. It's okay. I got I got I got answers for all those, Jack. <laughs> all right. I got all the answers. All right. So we see this and we saw this just recently with a client that that you're talking about. Let me touch on a couple of those things. On the on the pay part of it is how do you pay how, how do I afford a good person? And one of the things that, that Jack mentioned without mentioning but what I heard was the hourly mentality versus let's say salary mentality. Uh it's rare you find good people that work by the hour. Usually they, they they have a fixed salary payment because that's they're, they're focused on uh, on delivering value to the organization, not on how many hours that they're working. It's, no, not again, all the time. But <clears throat> go on, go on. I won't. I won't interrupt. But we'll get we'll we'll <laughs> get pushback often. Of, hey, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you mean I, I have to pay somebody as much as I'm making as the owner, or I pay somebody who, you know, depending where you're hiring somebody, if you're hiring somebody who's more, uh, what people may refer to as an overhead. Or, or an administrative position where they aren't a billable resource in, 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 in terms of you know, providing a service to somebody or they're not on the production floor where they're, they're producing product. The, 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 the wrenching in the gut of the owner of, I mean, I got to pay somebody forty, fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000 and I can't, I can't bill for them. How, how on earth can I afford to pay somebody and that? Why would I ever do that? And, and, and we hear that. We hear that a lot. So the, 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 your point is, uh, you know, to answer probably two or three of your six questions, Jack, is the, the money thing becomes a big deal in terms of how do I, how do I plug in the, and, and, and justify being able to afford somebody? You know, the, the question came this morning you know, from a client of ours, too, in terms of, well, well, should we hire somebody versus outsourcing? Well, you know, you know, I don't know, can we, can we afford to hire the person? And, and our answer is always what, Jack? How do you know if you can always, afford to hire somebody? It's always, wait a minute, let me pull out the profit plan for the company. And I'm going to look on my profit plan, and I have a sales number, I have all these expenses, and at the end of the far right-hand corner, I have a profit. And I'm being asked now to hire an employee for forty or 50000 bucks, And if I look at that profit plan, that forty or fifty thousand bucks is going to come out of that profit. 
So that makes a tough decision for me unless I'm more enlightened about what a good employee is. So what, so what happens is we start to get a sense of what this person's going to do. And so as Jack's plugging into the, to the profit plan, it's a uh, people often refer to as the B word, which which I won't say because <clears> I, I don't want to make Jack's ears burn here. But oh, yeah. as you're forecasting out what the plan is for the year, you can see what all your as you mentioned all your all your all your revenue, all your expenses are going to be. And if you plug that expense in there, what's it going to do the rest of your plan? Is that going to enable you to maybe save costs somewhere else? Is it going to enable you to um, free people up who are doing some of those duties now to go out and grow and 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 get additional sales? Yeah, you know, unless, and that's one of our biggest challenges as coaches. Unless you, the owner of a company, have experienced what we're calling a good person, a good employee, somebody who, who uh, comes and instantly, instantly starts delivering value with new ideas and better work schedules and, and a, a spirit uh, which, which increases the esprit de corps and things of that nature, unless you've experienced somebody like that, you don't know what a good person is and how it can impact the company in so many ways. So the default goes down to, hey, this person is 20% more than the average of blah, blah, blah. And so it becomes a cost, a cost issue that usually gets defeated because the, the real payoff is not the, the direct money saved, but believe me, there'll be money saved. It's just those other intangibles, difficult to measure, but all of a sudden you're sleeping better. You have a confidant. The, the other employees around that person get better. Everyone gets better. You, you take experience. That employee is good because they've had some experience, positive experience, and they bring it to their job, and so that job becomes better. Everything is positive for the most part. All boats rise, and that's really what you want to see. But unless you've experienced, you know, it, it takes somebody like a business coach to sort of encourage you strongly to do it and give you the reasons why. And then once you've experienced it, look out. All right, Jack, we've run through over our break here, so <clears throat> we'll, we'll head to break here. Make sure you guys stay tuned. We'll talk more about finding good people and other things that help to make your organization better. So stay tuned for that. I'm Adam Sonhalter. Okay, Adam, we'll keep the break going. I'm Jack. All right, we got more Dirty Secrets to Small Business on its way here on Integrity Radio, WINT, 1330 AM, 1015 FM, and online at wintradio.com. All right, we're back at it live here on Dirty Secrets of Small Business, live from Willoughby, Ohio, in the Willoughby. eastern suburbs of Cleveland. And uh, glad you joined us again tonight. Thanks for being here every week, uh, whether you're listening to us live here on the radio on WINT or you're out in the podcast world downloading us every week and listening to us. We have a good, loyal uh, fan base. We love hearing from you and love getting the feedback from it and hope you're getting lots of value from this in terms of the stories we're sharing of, of struggles of not only of, of our clients with experience we know that things that, that, that you, our listener audience, are also are also wrestling with out there. And our, our topic tonight has been talking about how to make your organization better. How do you make your organization better? And as we're going to break, the Germans are bombing Pearl Harbor, and Jack was kind of running through and talking about 
the whole thing with good people. How do you find him? So uh, you know, I, I was letting him go because he, he was on a roll. Good. And, and, that's and, right. And, it felt good. It felt good to be on a roll, even though the factual base wasn't that. But who cares uh, in, in today's world about factual basis? He's, he, <laughs> as he was talking, you know, a client of ours was kind of going through my mind, again, when it comes to, to, to the importance of good people and how do you communicate to, to, to folks. And, you know, a couple of years in with, with this client, he, and he's, he has said it numerous times since then. He said, hey, when... When I first, you know, when, when, when we first partnered up and I kind of brought you guys on board, why didn't you just tell me that all I had to do was fire everybody and replace them with good people? It'd have been a lot easier if you'd have told me that from, from, from you know, from, from, from the get-go. And oh, and then we had to remind him that we did, but <laughs> well, we he, couldn't, he couldn't understand it or see it. Impossible to see. That was kind of tongue-in-cheek, and you know, what happens is, and we just saw this earlier today with, with the client, and it's true with, with, with most of them, but the client earlier today was talking about how it's like a family here. And today, said, hey, you know, our, our, our shortest-term employee, in the case for them, was seven years. And, you know, going anywhere from seven years to 20 years. And they kind of knew it would be even before I could say something and say, hey, you know, that that could be a good thing, or not not so good thing, right? Depending on what's kind of going on, and and it could be good from the standpoint if you have some good people, and we and we encourage all our clients to do this is if you get them, grab onto them and both you know put both your hands on their shoulders and grab onto them real tight, and don't let them go, because those good people are are, are very hard to find. If very hard to find. That's right. If they're not such good people. Yeah, you, you want to kind of get rid of them, and 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 uh, for those of you who who have read um, the book Good to Great by Jim Collins, uh, you, you're aware of this analogy. If you haven't, I'll, I'll kind of give you a, a quick synopsis. Uh, you know, Jim Collins wrote this book called Good to Great, and he uses a bus as a metaphor for your company. And he talks about the idea. First of all, you want to get the right people on the bus and the wrong people off your bus. Okay, so again, get the right people in your building. Get them part of your organization. So now I got a bunch of good people, and usually good things are happening. And what Adam's going to talk about is how to make excellent, wonderful things happen more often. Right. So we get all the good people, and we and we get the bad people off the bus, and and, and shut the door, and keep the good people on there. Now the key is where do all these good people go? So who's driving the bus? Who's sitting right behind the driver? Who's in the in the back row? Who's who's over top of the, you know, the wheel? Whatever it might be, but getting getting them in the right seats on the bus. So those good people finding the right place for them within your organization, the where they can be maximized and 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 be able to to deliver tremendous value to your organization is what you want to start to focus on. Unfortunately, what we find is there there are way too many organizations that will try to keep everybody on the bus. And what happens with that is the good people, here's one, th- one truth about good people. They will not put up with not-so-good people for, for long periods of time. And because they're good, they are eminently employable. So they're going to have people tugging at their, at their sleeves all the time. They're gonna they, have, they get a reputation. They know how to present themselves well. Yes, they're... They're so, very marketable out there. Well, so people who they know will be talking at their sleeves. And so whether it be them getting you know phone calls from headhunters or vendors or customers of yours that are tugging at their sleeves, hey, if you ever think about leaving, Jack, you know, make sure you give me a call. You know, I'd be happy to kind of bring you on. We'd love to have a guy like you as, you know, as part of our team. They're getting, you know, constantly. It's, you know, it's like back in the day, you know, you're, you're dating the hot girl in school. You know she's getting other offers, Jack, right? 
And no, so once they dated me, that was it for them. So I, I don't well, know I a, that. I don't know. I hear those stories even today. But uh, all right. So maybe I was more atypical then. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Maybe you were more atypical. But the rest of us, you know, when you were dating that hot girl, you had to make sure that you were aware that that was part of that was part of that was part of the deal. The <laughs> part of it, you got to make sure that you're treating that person right. You're treating that girl right to keep her to keep her as yours. That is correct. And no. if you're not treating her right, not doing the right kind of things, guess what? Somebody else is going to offer her better things. That would always happen, but that's okay. So that's the way. You, life probably, is. you probably had more of that 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 jock mentality. You probably told a jerk to him, and they kind of came to you anyway, right? Is that, <laughs> is that how you approached it, Jack? No, no, I was smooth on all corners. <laughs> <laughs> Smooth on all corners. Yeah. All right, let me think about that one for a minute. That's it. <laughs> so yeah, so you picture this bus. What 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 kind of people do you want on that bus? Would you like a bunch of Bozo the Clowns actually dressed in Bozo the Clown gear, you know, or do you want people who who look normal and act normal but they're exemplary when it comes to doing work and being effective with the other employees? You know, there's a great little very very short phrase. It's it's uh, slow to hire, quick to fire. And if you have problem employees and you're the owner of a company, to fire that person quickly makes all the sense in the world because everyone in the company knows that person isn't effective, isn't good, however we're going to define that for each company. And the sooner you get rid of them, the better, especially the good employees, are going to feel. And all of a sudden, there's a spike in productivity because people feel good. They don't like laggards. They don't like negative people. They don't like a lot of things that you know what a bad employee is. They don't want them around, especially the good employees. So that's, you know, quick to, quick, slow to hire, quick to fire. Remember that phrase, put it on the wall and, and live by it. And work to get good employees. Define it. Take your good employees who you have now and have a little skull session in which you sit down and define what good employees are for your company. And be on the lookout for those because they add value like you would not believe. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess that pretty much all of our listening audience has heard of this little company uh, named after a fruit. Oops. <laughs> a fruit. Come on. I don't know. Banana Man? What company is this? Apple. Oh, Apple. Oh, Apple. I'm trying to make it. Now, no, Kurt's laughing at you. Uh, that's Kurt right. knew what I was talking about. That's all right. <laughs> I like to laugh with you, Jack. I know Jack's just messing with us. So, Apple. So I think most people have heard of Apple. Matter of fact, most of us have Apple products in our in our world somewhere. And if you haven't read or listened to the, to, to the biography of, of Steve, Steve Jobs, I would highly encourage you to do it. It's a very inspirational, very insightful book. A uh, fantastic author by the name of Walter Isaacson wrote the book. And uh, one of the things they talked about in there was, and one of Steve Jobs' philosophies was this idea of A players. That's how, that's how he defined good people, Jack, was A players. Mm, right. And he said in the book something to the, to the effect of, you know what, A players are not going to tolerate B and C players. And so he was, he was supremely focused on trying to find A players to be part of Apple. And he was ruthless about it to a certain extent. And that's part of what his re- reputation was about. I, mean, I think to your point, Jack, this whole slow to hire, quick, quick to fire kind of thing, if somebody wasn't, you know, he, if he deemed him not to be an A player pretty quickly, boom, you're gone. Let's move on to the next person, and, and we're going to find people. And he had supreme confidence that he had, a, he had a very good story to sell in terms of what he was doing and to be able to bring those people in. But he understood that, hey, if I don't, if I don't surround those A players with other good A players like themselves, they're going to want to go somewhere else. But if I put all those good A players together, 
what happens can often be magical and it's just it's fantastic and so you know jack is you know as we try to try to explain that to, to people you know we we, we try to to, to to give them all sorts of examples we can give them examples like like you know like apple and steve jobs or we have tons of those examples of, of clients of ours but until they see it for themselves and experience it that they, they they have to i mean they that's the only way or we have a lot of credibility with our clients. They they grow with us over the years because we solve a lot of problems for them and with them. So usually when we're hot on a particular subject, uh, we can usually sell our client to take a chance on a good person for sure. And when they do, it's going back to Adam's point, why don't you tell me when you first started out that I had to fire all my employees? We didn't mean fire them all at once, although that wouldn't be a bad idea sometimes. <laughs> But, you know, over the course of of years, through attrition, through, um, you know, quick to fire, bad people, all of a sudden your whole workforce changes. It might even change twice. And, and that's okay as you continue to search. And eventually with this philosophy and approach, the good people that you bring on board buy into what you're doing as well. So your organization eventually settles. It settles down. And all of a sudden, you got a pack of good people, and you you talk about seeing growth and and getting into things that you otherwise would never be able to. Uh, it's it, your company can just take off. That's what happens, and it's fun to watch that. Well, Great feeling. Yeah, I say. Well, one of the things that, that that you see with good people too, Jack. We talk about this, and this is another one of those uh, kind of common phrases that that's out there, which is that it's it's lonely at the top. Mm-hmm. And that you know whether you feel like you're at the top or not, when you're the owner of the business, that's kind of where you're where you are. And if you don't have good people around you, it can get real lonely real quick. And uh, I get lonely from the standpoint of you know, I had, you know I had a client express this frustration uh, a few weeks ago, where hey, you know I feel like I'm the only person out here slaying stuff and coming in to feed everybody. I need somebody else to help me go out there and hunt down some stuff and feed people. You know, I, you know, I need some help. I, I can only feed so many folks here. You know, and so, you know, as the owner, if it's just you, you're feeling that constant pressure, having to be the one to constantly bring stuff in to make things happen, to, to, to just kind of make it all kind of work and go. And you're putting it all on your shoulders. It's you know, it's it's that visual of of, of Atlas with, with, with the world on his shoulders. That should be, that should be the icon that that, that describes the, the the owner of a small company, Jack. That's where most of them are. They feel like they have the weight of the world on their shoulders. And we know it's the case. Hey, if you find one good person only. You know, and 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 they, and they come and they they help you out. Now they're helping you carry that world. Well, they just they they just cut that weight in half. That's right. You know, they're they're able to share that burden with you. And you know, for those of you who are more biblical folks that talk about this whole idea, where you know, if you if you ever read the the Bible, the New Testament, there's a phrase that I, I just recently understood a little better, which was, you know, to kind of take my yoke, and you know, my yoke is 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 easy and, and the burden is light you know somebody explained to me that a yoke and i didn't know it's not being a farmer usually there's two there's two uh, people or two animals that, that, that carry the yoke right so you have somebody coming as a partner and say hey take i'll take it off my shoulders and put it on your shoulders jack it's so no, we're going to work on this thing together so put my yoke around you and we'll, and we'll kind of pull this thing together wow, that's what you want to be able to do way back i thought you were talking about fried eggs that's what i had this <laughs> morning and i told her to make sure the yolks <laughs> were <laughs> Or a different yoke. Or medium. Oh, a Y-O-K-E, not a Y-O-L-K. That's oh, good. That's good okay. clarity. All right. So, again, picture you as the owner, and you, you have that yoke, and you want to kind of bring somebody in there to help you with that burden <laughs> to kind of help pull things along. You can, you can do it. All right. 
We're up against our, our final break for the show, and we'll come back and talk some more about how do I make my organization better. I'm Adam Sonhalter. And I'm Jack Mancini. And Adam, the answer is you hire good people. Yes, you do, Jack. All right, stay tuned. We've got more Dirty Secrets of Small Business coming after the break here on Integrity Radio, WINT, 1330 AM, 101.5 FM, and online at com. All right, all right. Welcome back to the final segment of this evening's show of Dirty Secrets of Small Business again. As is the case every week, Jack, I just want to think it can't go any faster. It goes faster and faster all the time. So. I agree. It seems like it just started. Well, hey, wait. It just did start. Well, that's it. Uh, 45 it's... minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> goes by in a flash. You that's know? right. So we're talking tonight about how do I make my organization better. We've touched on two topics here in the first couple segments of training people, how important it is for, for training people. And then even before we get to the training part of it was how do you find good people and some of the some of the challenges there in terms of, of paying them and identifying what, what good people look like and everything else. And uh, I want to kind of bring up a, a third topic here, Jack, in terms of you know making an organization better because organization, again, can mean a lot of things. And we had a, had a, a client uh, expressing some concern yesterday, in, in fact, and this is probably something that, that, that relates to, to, to a lot of owners. Getting organized in terms of certain systems that, that, that are going to be part of the business. And the client was expressing some concerns about the scalability of the current business model because there's so much um, human interaction and, and kind of manual processes in place that when you're first starting out, you know, hey, you can do things with you know, pencil and paper, or you can do things with spreadsheets, or you can do things, again, more manually. But as you're trying to grow, at some point, you're going to hit up against some some bumps along the way and some roadblocks where you can only get so big doing things the way you're currently doing them. That's right. And so kind of feeding off this, you know, the training and the, and the good people piece, if we're trying to find ways to kind of really ramp this business up and scale it, a lot of folks, you know, it's almost too late to you know, when I start, start to think about how, how do I prepare to make sure that, hey, if we do get that surge in business, which, again, let me pause here. Everybody says, what a good problem that would be to have, Jack, if I get a, a big surge in orders. Well, again, if we aren't ready for that, if, if I get put on Oprah Winfrey's show back in the day, uh, you know, is Oprah still do her show? I don't know if she does or not. But, I you know, don't either. But you know, geez, yeah, folks are, kind of will, will get my point. There are so many stories of folks getting onto the Oprah Winfrey show and the next day or later that day, you know, if they had a website, the website was crashing. If they got flooded with orders, all of a sudden people can't get, you know, can't get through. Things are on back order. The the, the company that 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 showed up there, and became that overnight success after you know, after probably a decade of kind of grinding things out, all of a sudden goes out of business or has a you know just gets creates, swamped with orders. Yeah. That's right. And and it isn't always a, a pleasant problem to have. It's a pleasant problem if you're ready for it in your systems and. And people are are organized in such a way that volume really is just a little blip. It's not a it's not a big deal because you can handle it. So how do you avoid that? How do you, you know, there's so many variables at work. You know, you you talked about generational issues. That's you know a lot of people still today in 2018 aren't going to embrace we'll call it inventory systems, even the the basic simplest of of inventory systems. From a technical standpoint, they'll use manual counts. They'll use physical pencil and paper kind of things still today. And if all of a sudden there's a surge in business, those surges today come in with a lot more impact on an organization than they did 30 years ago. 
So if you're using systems that are outdated like that, you're doomed. And a good person isn't necessarily going to be someone who knows skills from 30 years ago. A good person is going to have to understand the concepts from from what it took to do business years ago because they're still very valid today. But the way you process information and the way you treat people and organize people, all together different. And your organization has to adapt to that. And good people will get you there. And there's, and there's ways it can evolve. And part of it is you want to start to think about that. So as you look at your current systems and the way you do things, the way that orders come in, the way you process orders, the way you, you, you deliver your product or service, you know, try to picture a doubling of your business. And it may not happen overnight, but it's, 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 let's pretend. It's one, it's one of my favorite games, Jack, is that, uh, let's play let's pretend. I know. You like that. You like to well, pretend. Because it helps to free, free my mind. Let's, let's pretend this, that, that, that this happens. So here we are. Okay, here we are. Our, our business is, and, our, and our demand for our product is now doubled. What do you do? And manual systems can work for a while um, you know, to a certain extent. You have time to kind of grow in it if you're able to think about it. You know, I think back to, 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 to one of the, the companies that I worked with early on in my time in New York, Jack, and it was a... One of my favorite companies um, from the standpoint is it was a very simple business. It was a catalog company. And the way they filled orders when we first met them, it was done by simple picking and packing. And they had these these carts that were probably, you know, six feet high by maybe six feet long. And they had little slots on them. They had, you know, 20 or 30 slots on the on the carts. And so each of those slots would have a little pick slip in them in terms of, hey, here's what the person ordered. And it would be organized and such that the way that the, the, the picking tickets were done is as you walk up and down the aisles, you know, it was very efficient. Say, so you, know, you start with aisle one that has those things, and aisle two, you kind of go around. But it was, a, it was a pretty manual system. But this company, Jack, was doing probably $50 million in sales. Wow. Okay, that's doing a big system. company. Now, they, they had done it, and they thought about <clears throat> systems and ways to do stuff, and they're trying to make things simplified. They had some, some IT stuff going on. This was in the late 90s. They had, they had some IT stuff going on to help to organize stuff and organize the flow and organize the orders and, and have printouts that way. And as they progressed, you know, they, 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 you know, over the next you know, probably six years, they started to institute some more technology where they got you know, different uh, <laughs> systems in terms of being able to move packages on, on uh, you know, different sliding, uh, in, you know, uh, what do you call them? I can't try to get the right Sleds. name. Sleds. Uh, no, it's not, it's not, but when the things got packed, it, it, became, became, yeah, it, became more, it became more automated in terms of starting to get more machinery and equipment because they started to grow. They, they'd gone from $50 million to approaching, I think there were 80 or $90 million at that point. So they, they had to kind of scale up and be ready. So a lot of their, their base systems and processes they were able to take and, and take the human element out of it and start to, 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 use, uh, to use robotics or, or, uh, or different machinery to kind of replace that and help to kind of grow. But they, they were thinking that way. When they were when they were building up, they they, they weren't thinking, hey, we're you know, we're we're going to put in place things that are going to work for us to fill orders, f- you know, th- th- that are coming in today. It was thinking bigger in terms of how do we you know how do we scale this thing up? And they were making investments that were that were you know that they were able to do. They weren't coming in and, and, and scrapping everything, but they were they were making investments along the way to continuously build this thing up so that as they grew, they were able to do that. What we see is most people just say, hey, this is what's working today. I stick with this, and I keep on. I keep on going. And if I go all the way back to our first segment, Jack, we we're talking about trying to train people. Right. If I'm, if I'm, it's a very manual system. It relies a lot on people. I got to find really good people to do some basic work. That's often hard to do, depending what you know what you're you're paying people. But to not have any training in you know in place, what happens is the, the very basic functioning of of the delivery of your product or service or production of your of your product often is going to fall short. 
And it's because we're thinking too small often. And so you got to think a little bit bigger. So let's pretend helps us kind of think a little bigger. So, hey, w- would what we're doing today work if our business were to double tomorrow? It's a good way to look at it, Adam. You know, it's those kinds of sit back in your chair or bring in your good people and, and ask that question to them or contemplate it yourself while you're sitting alone smoking a good cigar. Do people smoke good cigars in offices anymore? <laughs> I'm not sure if they smoke in offices anymore. They go to cigar bars for that these days. Yeah, can you can you uh, think of good good business things sitting in a cigar bar? Wait a minute, I don't want to get off track. All of a sudden, we'll be talking about. You got me. You got me uh, think about Cuban Boston. Cigars. You got me think about Boston Legal now. You ever see that show? Yeah, with uh, James Spader yeah. and William Shatner, and they they would always end the show on the balcony with the with the glass of scotch and a cigar, and it, you know it was it was always the last you know probably minute or two of the show it was the two of them sitting on the balcony, kind of recounting whatever case they were working on or whatever adventure they'd kind of been through. So the cigars are celebratory, and they basically also uh, let you free the spirits in your mind so that you can can uh, come up with good assessments and good ideas for training for other ideas. It's just the way it goes. It's part of, it's part of the business cycle. <laughs> Yes, it is. And so, you know, it's to me, it's important to think about that in terms of if that's part of your desires is to kind of scale up. Because, again, that, that, that's one of those things people who haven't experienced it before say that, that you know, that would be a great problem to have. But those folks who've been through it understand that, the, that the, the variables don't just multiply. They become exponential. And it starts to go real quick. And the, the pressures and the stresses that, that, that get put on the owner and the business itself become tremendous. And so if you aren't thinking that way in terms of how you're trying to set things up today, where, again, can this be scalable? Can this work if we're going to start to kind of grow and, and, and be able to, to double or triple our business here you know, in the near term? How does our business hold up to that? Because that's, you know, when, when, you, when, when those things do happen, when, you, when those chances to pop happen, you want to make sure you're, you're there to take advantage of them. Because, again, anybody who's been in business for 10, 15, 20 years knows there's that roller coaster of business, ups and downs and those cycles. And when things are going good, you want to make sure things are able, you're able to take advantage of things when they're going good and, and to be able to put something aside when things aren't going so well. You know, that's a, that's, that's a normal part of it. But being ready to scale, I think, is something that people often overlook when it comes to the organization, how things are set up, how things are, are positioned to allow the company to grow and to grow successfully. So those are several things in terms of uh, how to make your organization better. And keep in mind, an organization is any gathering of people to accomplish a mission, raising money, etc. The etc. is like miscellaneous. It kind of covers almost everything you can't think of. But it's, it's an organization of people. And if we have good people in our organization and we train them, we invest in them like we would with any uh, piece of equipment we would buy. We bring meetings together. We know how to conduct good meetings. We we focus on getting things done. And that's what a good organization is about. Good people will make a good organization. That's right. So that's three the, the three keys to kind of take away from the night's show, folks, as we have to wrap up here is training, make time for it, good people, find them, keep them, hold on to them. And think about scalability. Pretend you're gonna you're gonna double your company here and make sure your your business is scalable. So anyway, that's four things. No, it's three things. Yeah. Training, good people, and scalability. How about oh, that? Okay. That three? All that's right. Three hey. things. All right. Thanks for joining us again on this week's edition of Dirty Secrets of Small Business. Uh, we invite you to tune in every Wednesday, seven PM Eastern. We're here for an hour every Wednesday. 
And if you missed any part of today's show, you can get us on iTunes. Uh, you can go on WINTradio.com in the archive section. You can get us that way. If you want to get a hold of us when we're not here in the studio, you can email us at radio at MaximumVP.com or give us a call, 877-849-0670. All right. All right. All right. All right. Say good night, Adam. All right. Good night, Adam. Learn more Dirty Secrets of Small Business next Wednesday, 7 p.m. Hey, thanks for listening on Integrity Radio. WINT 1330 AM, 101.5 FM, and online at wintradio.com. Would you control the beat?